0: There we go. Now we're recording. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, well, okay. Um, so we're gonna talk about being led by the spirit today. And, um, let's just start with Romans the eighth chapter. Um, and, and, you know, Paul uses this expression being led by the spirit here and in Galatians chapter five, I'm going to look at it first of all in Romans eight. Um, and it's in verse fourteen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And um, I guess Joe, this comes to mind. This topic comes to mind today because of conversation I had yesterday. And it's a conversation that I've had hundreds of times, thousands of times. You, I'm certain, have also had this conversation so many times. Uh, you get to talking with somebody, and from their side of the conversation phrases constantly coming out like, the Holy Spirit is leading me to, the Holy Spirit is telling me, uh, the Holy Spirit is showing me, uh, I feel the Spirit moving me, the Spirit's telling me that you're a man of God, the Spirit is saying, you have those conversations a lot.
1: Yeah, constantly. It's a, it is a. It is such an overused and uh, abused term that I am often tempted to not want to use it then, yeah. which is So many things, you know, whether it's the the rainbow or, uh, you know, uh, predestination, words that are biblical but have been hijacked by an agenda or a doctrine that isn't biblical, um, maybe causes us to tend to swing the pendulum and just not even use it or talk about it. So this is, I think, a good topic for us to have this afternoon.
0: Yeah, so let's start. So this passage in Romans the 8th chapter and verse 14 makes it clear that if we're not led by the Spirit, we're not sons of God. The sons of God are led by the Spirit, and so that means something, um, and and we'll talk a little bit about what that means, but I, I've kind of outlined a, a train of thought that we'll, we'll try to follow today, um, and one of the things we want to accomplish is just kind of drive a wedge between what we see in the Bible and what we hear in common conversation today. Um, and so I've kind of got four bullets here with some subpoints. And the first one is just we need to be aware of, con- of the danger of confusing uh, our own feelings with a leading of the Holy Spirit. And so that's where we'll start in just a second. The second thing we want to talk about is is the tendency that seems to exist today to, to just assume that if there is some kind of divine interaction, it, it's specifically the Holy Spirit. It's not Jesus, it's not an angel, it's not God the Father, it's the Holy Spirit. And uh, you know, I've used the expression, the cult of the Holy Spirit before. And it's almost like that there is a cult of the Holy Spirit. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, Then I want to talk about the fact that really the work of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is a very rational sort of work. By rational, what I mean is the communications of the Holy Spirit um, are not all about how I feel. And so many times people will talk about, I just feel the Holy Spirit is leading me. And, And in conversation with them, it's clear They're not really hearing anything that would be described as actual words. They've just got a tugging on their heartstrings, and and they think that's the Spirit. That's not really what we see when we do see the Holy Spirit speaking to somebody in the Bible. And then finally, the last thing that we may want to talk about are the kinds of things that the Holy Spirit said when the Holy Spirit did speak to people in the New Testament. And it's kind of an interesting study because it's a little different than the kinds of things people today typically suppose the holy spirit is telling them so that that's a plan okay that sounds great yeah so I'll start with this idea of the danger of confusing feelings inclinations intuitions with the work of the spirit or with the spirit well i mean how, how could you go
1: wrong if you're if you have a feeling um uh, and, uh, you know, if it seems to have some sort of biblical basis or, you know, a spiritual thought behind it, uh, and how, could, how could that not be something uh, from the Lord?
0: I, I take it you've got a passage in mind.
1: <laughs> well, there's a, there's a nice example of this. Uh, I say nice, it's not. Uh, 1 Samuel 13 yeah. When uh, Samuel and Saul are discussing, uh, uh, as as they are making plans to attack the Philistines, um, Samuel is delaying in arriving. Saul and the Israelite army are becoming quite nervous uh, about what's going to take place. Samuel had already told him that he was going to come and was going to offer a sacrifice. As he's delayed, then Saul makes the decision to go ahead and offer that burnt offering himself for Samuel 13 and verse 9. And uh, as soon as he finishes, it's as if Samuel walks around the corner there uh, in verse 10. Now it happened as soon as he'd finished offering the burnt offering that Samuel came. Saul comes out to greet him and uh samuel says what have you done and he said well i i felt like i had to do that in fact that's the the language that he uses in verse 12 the end of that i felt compelled and offered a burnt offering um and so you can imagine being saul and we view saul as just a bad person indeed that he did a lot of bad things like everybody else in the bible and you and i um but in this situation He's leading God's people. A burnt offering is the appropriate thing to do. This is the right timing of, for it. Uh, and, and samuels he doesn't know what's happened to Samuel. And so it's just like everything about it, he felt, that's what he said, compelled to go ahead and, and do this. And Samuel makes it very clear that he had done foolishly, and the Lord rejects Saul as a result of that. We can't follow our feelings. No. Somebody might say, well, that's Saul. He was a bad guy. But what made him a bad guy?
0: What made him a bad guy was that he followed his feelings yeah. mm-hmm. instead of listening to what the Lord had said. Yeah. And sometimes the stronger the feeling, the more certain a person is that this is from God. Dad, I remember when I was a kid, Dad would make the point. He would talk about... Um, uh, Jacob, uh, the father of Joseph, when the brothers had sold Joseph and they brought Joseph's mm. coat, having dipped it in the blood of, of a goat, and they brought it to Jacob in Exodus, the 37th chapter at the end of the chapter there. And they say, we found this coat, is this, is this your son's coat? And, and Jacob was just, he was overcome with grief because he just knew his son was dead. You could you could see he just felt it to the very core of his bones His son was dead and they started trying to console him. Of course, they didn't bother to say, your son's not really dead. We just sold him to slave traders. But nonetheless, they were trying to console him. And he said, I'll go down to the grave in mourning for my son. And he was just inconsolable. Um, And he would use that to illustrate the fact that no matter how deeply you feel something, how deeply you feel it is not a measure of the validity of it or how true it is. But sometimes when people really feel something, they're just certain it's the Holy Spirit. There's a passage in Acts chapter 27 where Paul seems to feel like they're in danger. He's on this ship as a prisoner, and they're wanting to go just a little bit further, but it's getting late in the season. Storms are coming up, and it's a dangerous time to travel on the sea, and Paul urges them not to do this. In verse 10, he says, sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the lading and the ship, but also of our lives. And, of course, later in the chapter, he gets a revelation. Uh, an angel speaks to him and says, no, you're going to be fine. Um, this is down in verse 23. Paul says, there stood b- b- by me this night an angel of the, of the God whose I am, whom I also serve, saying, fear not, Paul, you must stand before Caesar. And so in verse 22, it said, be of good cheer. There shall be no loss of life among you, only of the ship. Paul, an Paul, apostle of Jesus Christ, felt something strongly, so strongly, he speaking up and said, we shouldn't sail. Mm-hmm. His feelings were wrong.
1: Yeah, that's a powerful illustration there. Uh, you made the observation. He's an apostle. Um, you know, we sometimes think of them as never making any mistakes and, and always being inspired, and, and that's just not the case. Um, uh, this is, uh, so powerful that it was included here in this text, all within one chapter, uh, to show here's the distinction when an angel did, uh, when, when he did have the, the right response, it's because an angel spoke to him. And I think that's a really good distinction you made at the very beginning of, of this, uh, cast that sometimes people feel like something, but they haven't really heard something from God. Um, uh, what they've, uh, um, uh, you know, they, they, they just have an emotion about
0: mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're attributing that to God. Pat Donahue comments, one of our listeners, and makes the observation that he was speaking what he felt on his own, what he thought his, his own thoughts in the earlier passage in Acts chapter 27, verse 10, and then he gets a revelation later on. But it, ju- it just goes to show. That not everything that I feel or think within me is is from God. Mm-hmm. Um, there there is the story in Second Samuel seven where David felt like he ought to build a house for the Lord. That's a spiritual kind of thing. That's a religious kind of thought. Spiritual kind of thought. And, and even the and even the prophet agreed
1: with him and said, "Yeah, go for it. The Lord's with you." Yeah. Until.
0: The Lord, the, angel spoke.
1: <laughs> until the Lord spoke to him. Yeah. Uh, there, there's such a distinction. And so how do we know if a feeling is from God or if it isn't, um, or maybe it is a feeling or an emotion that's based upon a biblical principle, but it's not really God speaking to me specifically. I see somebody on the side of the road and their cars broke down and they've got a baby out there and it's in the sun and and so I I get this feeling I should stop and help them well it's not God speaking to me telling me I should do that what I'm doing is taking the passages that deal with compassion and mercy and love and do unto others all of those things that I have put into my heart then those I I am able to in that moment, make an application to that. And so I have a feeling about that. So are you being led by the
0: spirit in that instance then?
1: Well, I'm being led by the word of God to make an application to to those things,
0: yeah. So so you could say you're being led by the spirit, but that doesn't mean you're getting a direct at the moment communication out of heaven supernaturally. Right. The Spirit has spoken in the scriptures, and you've taken that instruction into your heart. You live by it, and thus you're led by the Spirit. Yeah, exactly. There's a, you know, the very first sin, Joe, I always think of in this connection. Um, God had spoken. God had said one thing. Eve felt something else. Mm -hmm. when, When she's told that, you know, you can't trust God, which is essentially what the devil says to her through the serpent we find out it's the devil later on verse 6 of genesis 3 says uh she saw that the tree was good for food and a delight to the eyes and desirable to make one wise that's all about how she felt about it Mm -hmm. that's all about she liked the tree it was pretty she craved the food of the tree she wanted to be wise that's all about how she felt and she followed her feelings And that's the first sin that brought death into the world, she and Adam partaking. And so this is the passage then that I think puts all of this in perspective. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And this is the passage that really gets to the point that if I rely on my feelings like Eve did, I am setting myself up not to be led by the Spirit. I'm setting myself up to be deceived, thinking I'm doing what God wants, but really doing what I want. So I'll read this. It speaks of the one who's coming, verse 9, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9. The one who's coming is according to the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceit of unrighteousness for them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved, and for this cause, God sends them a working of error that they should believe a lie that they all might be judged who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I think that's so often exactly what happens. Somebody wants to do something, they want it so much that they, they feel like it's, this is the Holy Spirit telling me I should do this, uh, but when we when we do that, we're just we're we're taking our own desires and elevating them to divine status by saying it's the spirit, and that's how we're going to be deceived. Right. Well, let's see. We've got a question here. Uh, no, it's a further comment. Um, Nehemiah nine thirty. Yet many years didst thou forbid forbear them and testified against them by thy spirit in thy prophets. I'm, the context is not coming immediately to mind there, Joe. Nehemiah so, 9, yeah 30. Nehemiah
1: eight and nine, uh, um, they've all gathered together at the at the water gate um, uh, and they are recognizing that they have sinned and uh, not been following uh, God's word. So they make the decision to observe the the feast there, the Feast of Tabernacles. And then I think it's the next day they gather together and uh make this proclamation and this prayer and this covenant to God uh do I, is that the right text yeah um, and in, in doing that they they acknowledge uh just as this uh, 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 person has has indicated here in 930 they acknowledge that God had given them his word God had had guided but they had not been following it Uh, So 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 maybe the point
0: that the listener has in mind is when they say, so this is the people speaking to God, thou didst bear with them for many years and admonish them by thy spirit through thy prophets, maybe he's making the point here that um, God's spirit doesn't always tell us what we want to hear.
1: Right. And, And how can we be sure that God is speaking to us? Well, we know that if it was God's prophets, we know that that's something from God where if I just have a feeling of something, that may or may not be. Um, You know, there there are certainly some examples there in Nehemiah, where they had uh, intermarried and and working on the Sabbath and doing a lot of things that they shouldn't have been doing. The prophets had told them not to do that, but they they were ignoring God's word.
0: Yeah, and he says, as a matter of fact, our viewer now comments, he says that's his point, teaching through prophets was teaching through spirit. And I think that's one of the things people don't get today is that I can be led by the Spirit, even if it's the Spirit speaking to somebody else, the Spirit speaking 2,000 years ago to the prophets who wrote the Scriptures down. I don't have to get a direct revelation myself to be led by the Spirit. Yeah.
1: So that text in 2 Thessalonians 2, where you were, is just so powerful that we can be deceived. God will allow us to be deceived. God will give us opportunities to be deceived even if we decide we don't love the truth. Right. And I, I don't hear this very often, but there was a phrase that I used to hear years ago far too often that I wouldn't give up my feelings for a stack of Bibles.
0: I have heard that.
1: And, and, and that is just so disturbing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up my Bible for a stack of feelings. Our
0: feelings are exactly what we're to give up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, you know, Paul in in Acts 26, we were in chapter 27 earlier in Acts 26, when Paul was speaking to Agrippa, he said, I thought I must do many things contrary to Christ. Yeah. You know, he was persecuting the Christians. He thought he was serving God and doing that, but because that was, that's what he felt that that was his, what his thoughts were.
0: So, so Paul contrasts in Galatians five, the desires of the flesh, which would be our feelings with walking by the spirit he makes those two things opposite right so. yeah.
1: and how many times in the uh in the gospel accounts do we see the apostles the disciples blundering something because they thought this was the way it was supposed to be instead of what god's will really was give an example but um, when Jesus says that he's going to Jerusalem, they're going to to, to hate him, spit on him, uh, hurt him, kill him, and he'd be raised the third day. And Peter takes him aside and says, this isn't going to happen to you, Lord. Yeah. Jesus says, what? Get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: you know, I mean, everything about Peter would... I I sympathize there. And I, I don't know if that's the best word to say sympathize, but man, I would have probably made that same blunder. You know, just being tempted to to think, oh no, I, I don't, that's not that's not God's will that you get hurt. You know, you're a great man, Jesus. No, God doesn't want that to happen. We'll we'll help you, we'll we'll stand up for you. You know, all sorts of things might be going through our minds. But when Jesus says it that's that's what we need to accept
0: so so peter assumes god doesn't want that to happen because peter didn't want that to happen. exactly and, and so but,
1: we can very easily make those kinds of decisions and, and and maybe a lot of times it isn't going to be a a life-changing event in and of itself but as somebody recently pointed out nothing in this world is in and of itself um you know nothing happens in a vacuum mm-hmm. so you know, sometimes somebody will say well I just had a feeling that I should take some groceries over to my neighbor. I, I was just led by the Spirit, and I got there, and, and they needed some food. They needed some groceries. And so that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, But God did not tell you specifically to go and to do that. Again, maybe you're making some applications from something that, that you've studied previously or that's come into your mind from God's Word, and that's wonderful. That's what we ought to be doing. But don't think that, that that's God somehow – whispering in your subconscious to to do something special again taking food to the neighbors may not that may not be a harmful thing at all but if we begin thinking that god is whispering to me uh in a way you know because i got goosebumps on some occasion uh that god must want me to do that that's a dang, that that's presumptuous that's what it is that, that's it the best is, word it starts
0: say dangerous it's also dangerous because now i'm going to uh, reckon that any such experience is a message from God. When I have those feelings about something that's very contrary to God's will. Right. All right. Well, let's go to the second point. Second point that I want to work on here is is just a contrast between what we see in the New Testament when there was direct divine interaction, when when some being, some supernatural being, spoke to a person, communicated words a message to a person and what happens today uh and and the thing that i want everyone to see is that whereas today for some people it's assumed that any such interaction is the holy spirit in the new testament that wasn't necessarily the case and the only point that i want to get here is that some people just seem to be hung up on the holy spirit Mm -hmm. And, and that's all but so 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 let's just talk here about some instances where somebody had a, a communication from heaven. All right, let's go through these real quickly. I'll name one, you name one, I'll name another one. Let's go like that. Uh, Acts chapter 9 and verse 10. Um, Ananias uh, is being, is the Lord speaks to Ananias and tells him to go talk to Saul. Have I got the right thing here in mind? Acts 9 verse 10. Yep. Um, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said unto him in a vision, Ananias. doesn't specify the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit didn't sometimes speak to people. But why does it have to be the Holy Spirit? What's yours? Uh,
1: so um, we have a, a prophet speaking in Acts eleven twenty eight. 28. Uh, now, it does mention the Spirit, but it's coming through a human agency Prophet speaking to the people to, to the reveal uh, Agabus, uh, you know, a couple of different times he shows up in the book of Acts, and when he comes, people need to pay attention, because something bad is about to happen, and it's a great opportunity for God's people to do what they should.
0: I've got Acts chapter 10 in verse 3, when Cornelius uh, gets a communication from heaven, he saw in a vision openly, as it were about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming in unto him. Doesn't specify the Holy Spirit, but it was a communication from heaven. What's well, yours?
1: Uh, Acts 8, going backwards a little bit, uh, you have Philip um, being told to go down and on to the Gaza Road to meet this uh, man from Ethiopia.
0: And it's an angel that speaks to him, tells him yes. that, right? Yes. Yeah. That's right. Okay, let's go back even further then. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20. When Joseph realizes that Mary is with child and he's thinking about putting her away and in verse 20, um, it says, when he thought about the, on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto to be Mary thy wife. doesn't specify it was the Holy Spirit. says it was an angel. Yeah. What's yours?
1: Um, uh, boy, now I'm going to have to stop and think a little bit longer on this. Right, well, what um, you think? Go, a go, bit, go ahead.
0: I got. I've got then uh, Luke chapter one and verse twenty six. Same, uh, same basic story, the birth of Jesus, but this time it's the angel Gabriel speaking to Mary, uh, and telling her that uh, that the child that's going to be born is is going to be is going to be the son of the Most High, and so on but it doesn't specify the Holy Spirit. It says it was the angel Gabriel. Good. Well, thank you. I thought it was a good one too. (laughs) These are
1: are helpful to see. And it's not a minor point that God uses different agencies to convey his will.
0: Well, while we're here in Luke, in Luke chapter one, verse 11, earlier than Jesus' birth, we have John the Baptist's birth story and his father Zacharias, goes into the temple, and it says in verse 13, um, the angel said unto him, well, verse 11 says there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And this is the angel that tells him he's going to have a son, and his name will be John. Doesn't specify it was the Holy Spirit. In all these cases today, there are some people for whom it has to be the Holy Spirit. If I had some kind of vision, some kind of message from God, it had to be the Holy Spirit. Well, it doesn't seem to be the case in these particular instances.
1: Would you uh, include Second Corinthians 12, where Paul recounts the man who was caught up into paradise and heard, uh, inexpressible words,
0: um, uh, there's
1: yep. a revelation yep. there that was given to him.
0: Yep. Uh, back in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16 and verse nine, uh, Paul is traveling and he's thinking about going and preaching in Asia and, uh, We will come back to this one here because the Holy Spirit does forbid him to speak in Asia, and the Holy Spirit does uh, not allow them to go to Bithynia, so there is the Holy Spirit speaking, but then it says in verse uh, 9, a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there was a man of Macedonia standing, a man in a vision of Macedonia. Uh, Just the the thing, the point I'm getting at here, the point we're trying to, to drive home is, Whereas for some people today, it has to be the Holy Spirit. Well, a lot of times in the Bible, it was an angel. It was a man in a vision. It was the Lord. Um, I've got here, you mentioned prior to the show, you mentioned Revelation chapter 1.
1: Yeah, yeah, Revelation 1. It's a revelation of Jesus that God uh, sent, but he sent it through an angel to John. Uh, So you sort of have this... uh, Coming from the the Father through Jesus through uh, the, an angel to eventually get to to John.
0: Yeah, Acts, Acts chapter twenty seven and verse twenty three. When Paul is on this ship, we talked about this passage a moment ago. Uh, when Paul does get the communication from heaven that they're go- going to be all right, they're going to get to Rome. Uh, he says, "There stood by me this night an angel of the God whose I am, whom I also serve." Um, okay. Good. did did, uh well i was trying to think of some there uh did
1: i miss did you mention the angels at the tomb i did not uh so you know there would be an instance where the women come to worship they're wondering who's going to roll the stone away and you have the angels that appear uh particularly matthew 28 mentions one in particular angel descended from heaven came rolled the stone back um, and the angel answers the women in, John, in Matthew 28, verse 5.
0: Angel spoke to the apostles who were imprisoned in Acts 5, 19, and to Peter who was imprisoned in Acts chapter 12, verse 8. So just wanted to run through those just to impress upon our listeners that the Bible doesn't paint a picture that if you get a voice from heaven, it's the Holy Spirit specifically. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit's not involved. I'm just saying for some people... What, what it is, what it really comes down to, I'm convinced, Joe, is people assume their feelings are the Holy Spirit. I, I don't know why, but that's, well, I, I do know some of But let's move on to the third point. Um, when the Holy Spirit did speak to people, uh, we talked in First Corinthians 12, the spiritual gifts. Uh, and Paul goes through and he mentions the various gifts. And he says, but one spirit. He's talking about things from the Spirit. But when he talks about the kinds of communications they've got it's it's not all about how you feel and so many times today people are just they feel a certain way I get a you you mentioned goosebumps a little bit ago
1: mm-hmm.
0: oh, I just I just feel good about that I'm excited I'm awed I'm whatever so it must be the Holy Spirit but that's not what was going on in the New Testament it was more rational it was more like instruction teaching so let's Let's take a minute and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Because this is a passage where Paul is talking, now in the context, he's talking specifically about the assembly and the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues versus prophesying. And and it's long been impressive to me, verses 5 and following, the emphasis upon not how you feel, but what you're instructed Wherein you're instructed. And so I'll begin in verse 5. I would have you all, this is 1 Corinthians 14 verse 5, I would have you all speak with tongues, but rather that you should prophesy, and greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongues, except he interpret, that the church may receive edifying. So what Paul is doing here, he's he's contrasting the use of two gifts. The one is speaking in tongues and the other is prophesying. Speaking in tongues was speaking in a language, some foreign language, and people don't know this language, and you're going to get up in the church and you're going to speak in a tongue, but if there's not anybody there to interpret, there is no edification that takes place. And so Paul essentially says, he does say, don't do it, Uh, because the point is edification. The point is not you getting a warm, fuzzy feeling. And he goes on. He says, verse 6, but now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Unless I speak to you either by way of revelation, or of knowledge, or of prophesying, or of teaching. Okay.
1: So uh, go
0: ahead. So I was just going to say, and then he goes on, and he uses an illustration about musical instruments. If you can't understand meaning, uh, there's no point to it, it's just a bunch of sounds. And, and again, the point is the emphasis on the work of the spirit and what, what they were to get out of it was very rational. It wasn't just getting warm, fuzzy feeling.
1: So uh, try to tell the story somewhat briefly for time's sake, but years ago, uh, had an opportunity to attend a uh, religious gathering of some individuals who would uh, be classified as Pentecostals. That's how they would classify themselves. Um, and went in, observed their activity during this service, and uh, there was a bunch of individuals uh, using their tongues, their mouths in a certain way. They would say they were speaking in tongues. There was no language that was, uh, no human language was, was being uh, manifested in any of that. Just a lot of syllables and so forth were, were coming out. And, and several people doing it all at the same time, men and women uh, doing that. And at one point, the, the preacher there announced that he had received a revelation from God. And hallelujah, hallelujah. And uh, he said, Now I want to tell you all what this revelation was. I had a dream, and, and God showed me that my pockets were filled with money, <laughs> And it's just, you know, hallelujah, hallelujah, people were just screaming and, and excited about all of that and everything, and uh, he went through and, and, and did several other things went on, finally, uh, at the end of it, me and the individual that I was with, uh, they said, hey, if you all have anything you want to say, speak up, and the, the gentleman that I was with, the Christian I was with, said, well, I don't have anything I'd like to say, but I do have a passage I'd like to read, he said, well, read on, brother, And he read 1 Corinthians, got it read 1 Corinthians 14, verses 26 through 40. Uh, And of course, they had just violated, I I think, every aspect of that text. Let's read it. Uh, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. If there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that you all may learn and may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets.
0: So it's a very orderly picture. And those who are having messages come from the spirit are in control of whether they speak or not, and they're taking turns, and it's not supposed to be a whole bunch of them doing it, just two or three.
1: Yeah, yeah, you you can sort of sum that up by saying, you know, uh, let all things be done uh, decently and in order. Uh, Yeah, that's how verse 40 ends there. Uh, uh, I I, I like how Paul's kind of summed up that very thought. Uh, He summed it up
0: same way you would have.
1: Yes, exactly, yes, yeah, Took took words right out of my mouth, uh, so uh, after the, my, after our brother read that text, then he just sat down, and the preacher then went through several minutes of explaining why it isn't necessary that these things be observed,
0: really?
1: so he claimed that he had received a vision, that God had spoken to him, they had uh, done all of these different things religiously in direct contradiction. Because they felt and, and they were driven by, by God to do those things, they would say. And then when the text was read, they said, Well, we don't have to do that. That was for those people because of their problems, and that doesn't apply to us today. Wow. And, and, but, but just to your point, that it is what somebody's wanting to do. And, and so, you know, the, the prophecy that, uh, or the, uh, the revelation that he was going to become rich. You know, that, that, was, that was praiseworthy. But what Paul told them not to do, well, no, no, we don't need to listen to Paul.
0: Well, okay, fourth point. Um, one of the things that I see a difference between the New Testament and what people talk about today when they say they're being led by the Spirit is the types of things that the Holy Spirit either said in the New Testament or ostensibly says to these people today. Oftentimes, when people get feelings and they say it's the Spirit leading them, it's, it's whether or not I should uh, take guitar lessons or whether or not I should take this job or quit my job or, you know, all these kinds of things. There, there's some instances in the New Testament where it tells us what the Holy Spirit said. And I, the first one that comes to mind is Acts the 15th chapter. And there's this whole controversy about whether Gentiles have to keep the law and be circumcised. And they're discussing it, and they talk about uh, the evidence that God intends for Gentiles to be a part of this, and they talk about the story of Cornelius, and they talk about the miracles that were wrought by the hands of Paul and Barnabas as they preached among the Gentiles, and they talk about what the Old Testament prophets say. And so they conclude, we're not supposed to lay any burden on the Gentiles. We do want to remind the Gentiles there's certain things in the law that are applicable everybody, Uh, but we're not going to bind some burden like keeping the law or circumcision on the Gentiles. We're going to write a letter to that effect, and they say in verse 28, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, and it mentions the things they should abstain from. So what you see here is not, is very often not the kind of thing somebody today gets a revelation about. It's, It's instruction about salvation it's instruction about the requirements of salvation it's instruction about uh, what do you have to do to be righteous in god's eyes
1: and 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 what these men were getting wrong
0: and what these uh, men were getting wrong you know to
1: me that's pretty powerful uh so often it's the holy spirit guiding people where they have misunderstood and uh, so in instance like this uh, god is uh, correcting them uh, in their misunderstanding not just sort of giving them a rubber stamp.
0: Another instance where the Holy Spirit is speaking about doctrinal error is in 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter in verse 1. And Paul says, The Spirit saith expressly that in later times some shall fall away from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons through the hypocrisy of men that speak lies, branded in their own consciences with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. So the Holy Spirit was saying, there are going to be men who are going to be teaching error. Um, First Peter chapter 1, we have Peter talking about the Holy Spirit speaking to Old Testament prophets. And it refers to the Spirit. Here's the Spirit of Christ. And I'm going to start in verse 10. Peter says, concerning which salvation the prophets, talking about the Old Testament prophets, sought and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what time or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did point unto, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that should follow them. So the Old Testament prophets from the Spirit, the Spirit gave them in communications about the sufferings of the Christ and the glories that should follow, but the Old Testament prophets didn't really understand all of that, and uh, yet today, oftentimes, people who are all hung up on getting messages, voices from the Holy Spirit, getting leadings from the Holy Spirit, it's about mundane affairs. It's about you know, you know, the Spirit just led me to buy this car, you know, that kind of thing.
1: Just recently, heard a uh, uh, a clip from a woman preacher who made the claim I, I'm not going to get this quote exact but it is very close um worship is not about God about pleasing God uh God wants you to be happy and uh so you know in in your service the way that you worship God is by you being happy um and uh, one of our uh, one of the comments that somebody sent in was the the idea of a quote God whispered to me to be a woman preacher. <laughs> um, uh, no uh, no God didn't do that and often you can even tell by the messages that they convey uh, whether or not that is something that's come from God or not.
0: Yeah, if, we, we, if we follow that if we follow that, God the, the, what the what is to make you happy and say it again what, what, what God wants is for what, you to be happy. What God wants for you to be happy is for you to be happy. If we believe that, if we accept that, we're just setting ourselves up. To follow the flesh, which is what Paul says is the opposite of walking by the Spirit. That's exactly right. Which is yep. going to lead us to deception. Okay. Well, the last thing, we've got a couple of minutes here left. The last thing I want to do is where the Spirit is repeatedly said to have said something to Paul. In Acts, the 20th chapter, in verse 23. Acts, chapter 20, in verse 23. Um Paul here is meeting with the elders of the church at Ephesus. While he's in Miletus, he's on his way back to Jerusalem. And I'll start in verse 22. Now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem. Notice that he's going in, bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, say that, in other words, I don't know what's going to happen to me there except this. I know this, that the Holy Spirit testifies unto me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide. So he says, the Holy Spirit is telling me, when I get to Jerusalem, bad things are going to happen. Uh, Acts chapter 21 and verse 4, they've come to Tyre, and it says, having found the disciples, we tarried there seven days, and these, the disciples, said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not set foot in Jerusalem. Now, this is interesting. You might read that and assume that it's saying the Holy Spirit is saying don't go to Jerusalem, but no. Paul is going to Jerusalem and he's not disobeying the spirit, but the spirit is saying when he gets there, bad things are going to happen. Mm -hmm. And the disciples are also getting that message from the spirit. And so they are saying, Paul, we don't want you to go to Jerusalem because the spirit says bad things happen. And then we come back to chapter 21 and in verses 10 and 11, um, Paul is now at Caesarea and, uh, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus and coming to us and taking Paul's girdle, he bound his own feet and hands, the prophet did, and said, thus says the Spirit. So the Spirit has talked to Paul, the Spirit has talked to the disciples in Tyre, and now the Spirit has talked to this prophet, and this prophet comes and tells Paul that the Spirit says that so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns this girdle. Well, that's Paul, and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And here's the point I want to make. Some people think the Holy Spirit Tells you to do this or don't don't do this, and they basically they basically associate um, good good feelings with positive reinforcement and bad feelings with negative reinforcement. Here, the Holy Spirit says you're going to be bound and afflicted when you get to Jerusalem, and yet it was God's will that Paul go to to, to Jerusalem. Um, that's a little different, but again, it's just a function of people associating their feelings, how they feel about something with what God's will is. If I feel good about it, it's God's will. If I feel bad about it, it's not God's will. And that's just setting you up to to be led by your own desires. Good. So we're out of time.
1: Good good study. I think that's helpful to be thinking about. We need to be led by the Spirit, but we need to be led by the Spirit as the Spirit is truly leading.
0: Thank you all for listening or watching, and Lord willing, we'll see you next week.